1: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so welcome to a super quick turnaround pop from us, recording on Sunday night as I make the most of having Monday off, I've got annual leave tomorrow, so I'm having a cheeky beer on a Sunday, hooray. What a game week it was though, with soft penalties everywhere as we parted like it was game week one from two years ago. Alongside late, late returns from mid-price midfielders bailing out the likes of Nick and I, plus a seriously lucky break for yours truly, as we'll come on to in just a minute. We are Who Got The Assist. I'm Tom. Find me on Twitter at WTCA underscore FPL. My normal co-host is Anthony at FPL Stag. The lead code is 2IP43T. We're going to close him in league very soon. I'll mention that in just a bit. This week, as you can probably see if you're watching on YouTube and you're here in just a second, Anthony's having a night off as our on hiatus co host nick is back for a quick visit coming back to us now at the turn of the tide as he's no doubt in a good mood due to a particularly inspired purchase a few weeks back actually paying dividends this
0: week you're right nick good to see you again on the pod well good thanks i think i certainly timed my return to the pod uh, quite well uh, considering it's just sort of my second most successful game week since game week one so yeah pretty happy all things considered got myself a glass of me to to enjoy as well pod so uh, yeah pretty good if we just go through the agenda rundown i guess um quick turnaround so it's going to be quite a short pod it's ultimately just going to be a, a correspondence section and some questions and answers after our usual updates but yeah firstly let's get started anyway just crack on and, and do the gaming reviews oh all right
1: in Anthony's absence, it's probably a decent absence for him. Uh, he only got fifty-nine this week—a pretty um, difficult week for him, unfortunately. He wrote on our WhatsApp group and said that he had some shambolic transfer results this game week. He's managed to swap one Dodd Ford for another. Dolt, he says, he had the right idea to get somebody in the Palace attack all right, but yeah, it's not worked out. See, look, here's the thing, Tom. There are a few interesting moves this week. He brought in Tekkers. Bruno Fernandes and Bowen for Tony, Son and Jota. End on that 59, as I mentioned, which is a sizable red sadly for him I mean of that 59 the backline fueled it the Cancello Cleany, that Rudiger double assistant bonus the white Cleany, the Trent nine-pointer and Salah obviously with the penalty that was it really I mean Guaita got the saves you know Rhys James another bagel third bagel in a row Bowen blanked his transfer in Benteke only got subbed on in the 60th minute something like that and Josh King also blanked so Yes, 59 and a bit of a red, unfortunately, for him. I think he's down to about 650k at the moment. Big ouches all around. He's missed this pod, and I think he's really quite glad to have done so. And the big question for him now to answer over the next couple of weeks is what happens with Jota, especially if he's back against Newcastle. Moving on to me, I think, next. because so Nick's had a really, really good week. Um, I... Also, had a decent week. I got 82, but I took a minus eight hit. So I was thinking of taking a hit. It was a bit of a weird one, you know, certainty of red arrows, small chance success. What was I waiting for? I went for it. I took Rafinha out for Bowen. Obviously, that wasn't great, but I did remove after all the COVID news and the Brighton and Spurs games being called off Reggie and came for Dallow and Ronaldo. I thought it would set me up very nicely for this kind of week of fixtures, but I've got to admit, I got incredibly lucky this week. So on Friday night, I was shocked when the game reopened that my intended benchy, who was Conor Gallagher, hadn't actually come through. So on my bench instead was Dallow, and I fully intended to bench Gallagher. I had you know, the Twitter screenshot, had Gallagher on the bench, and I was really annoyed um, about that not really working out. Couldn't really work out why. I confirmed it on my phone. I'm sure I confirmed it on my computer. Maybe there was some sort of jiggery pokery going on with the FPL game at that point. I don't know if you people were saying so on socials. Obviously, incredibly lucky. What a touch that is. I don't feel anyone near as bad about having Dallow on my bench. Decent green arrow from that score, up to 250k from 300k, so back in the right direction. I had a decent start, little man Dennis scoring from a corner who should have been nowhere near. But on Saturday, the Cancello seven-pointer and a relatively quiet game for City, so I dodged a lot of punishment from not having a City mid. Then in the 3 p.m.s, a huge 11-pointer from Ramsdale. Yes, so great, and Ramsdale smashed it. Yes! Sorry, <laughs> a Trent nine-pointer. Unfortunately, James, as I mentioned, that third bagel in a row, three zeros, not good at all. Um, in midfield, Jota came on to block Dallow, who thankfully only got five points. Elsewhere, the two premiums, the two towers in Ronaldo and Salah returned through Really soft penalties, let's be honest. Uh, this afternoon, Bowen and Antonio, who's definitely circling the trap door for me, will come on to that in just a bit blanked. So with my game week dead on the safety score, I needed a return for my last man. That last man was unintentionally Conor Gallagher, the man who shouldn't have even been on the pitch. Ah, yes, Gallagher. My light in the darkness when all other lights went out. The last man scoring me points out of nowhere. He was on it all game. It was just amazing to see that last minute screamer go in. I I shouted, Ladder (laughs) Made my missus jump. Uh, Ladder by the way. our friend actually, FPL brain, JP's thing. I'm not sure why he came up with that, but it's stuck. A massive 15-pointer. So all in all, yeah, 82 points, minus eight. A rare green arrow on a large hit, and I'm very happy with that. But, one man has done better than me no hit this week and the game hadn't quite updated if you watch on YouTube so I've had to kind of make this myself but I think it's an 84 you come out at don't you Nick
0: yeah I did get 84 um so yeah absolutely huge score only actually had 10 men this week as well playing because uh Robert Sanchez in goal didn't play and I didn't bother replacing cool. him either I've had I've had him so since nice. game one gone for a little bit of a different strategy to yourself where you've done a goalkeeper transfer basically every other week. I, I've not transferred <laughs> my goalkeeper <laughs> once. I've just kind of sat with this guy and just thought, I can't be bothered to take hits or anything like that. So he, he didn't play. But yeah, 10 men. Ultimately, um, yeah, it's an excellent score. I'm super happy. I think obviously the defenders, kind of usual suspects there, isn't it? With Cancelo at seven, Alonso four, Trent nine, Captain Salah. Got a few penalties going my way as well with the likes of Rafinha. He got his seven pointer. Ronaldo um, got a nine pointer. And, And Madison sort of. Dived a little bit to get the first assist, and then in the second um, half he just absolutely blew up. So this is my differential. Tom was referencing is James Madison got me sixteen points this game week, absolutely smashed it. So really, really happy about that. Also Ben White six pointer of course as well came off the bench. You know. I knew he was going to come off the bench anyway. So I started Tony for some reason, just, just for lows ultimately, even though he wasn't actually playing. And then, um, yeah, in the competition between Dennis and King, my precious Dennis, he succeeded with a nine-pointer. So there was no return of the King for Josh King. So very happy with the Dennis nine-pointer. But ultimately, where things kind of ended on a sour note, I guess, um, you know, uh, there's always a negative, isn't it? even with an 84-pointer, is playing Jota. So Jota was my only player in blank. so... You know, Tell me where's Jota because I much desire to speak with him and I had Conor Gallagher on the bench. You were oh, just talking no. about this guy for a little while. 15 points are sitting there on my bench because Jota came on for about 25 minutes and missed a sitter in the last minute as well, you know, in classic Jota style. So a little bit of a negative to end on, but ultimately 84 points. Um, I'm very, very happy with that. Still pushing towards respectability, sort of top 200k now at least. So yeah, pretty happy
1: decent Uh, moving on to the objectives very quickly and it's obviously not here so he'll fill you in next time for me captaincy obviously do whatever Mikel tells me Still in his algorithm did that transfers and 50-50 situation take the hit I did this week in spectacular fashion I was thinking about not taking the extra four for Dallow I did and ultimately I guess it would have paid off sort of ish except I would have probably benched uh, Gallagher so it's worked out unintentionally very well um, but it was a bit of a, a wasted minus four unfortunately which takes the sheen off things a little bit and take a chance on form buying bandwagon in play well I think Bowen as I mentioned last week he was doing pretty well in the XGI a uh, non-pen XGI that is according to Stats Bomb so he's there he's in my team but he was a little bit of a disappointment this week that's for sure and Nick in general how are you doing this season You, I think you've just overtaken me this week haven't you so it's definitely not been a golden one but nonetheless you're doing alright as you said pushing upwards aren't you and any sort of change to your play style or are you continuing to keep it
0: quite cool Cautious. we've kind of been mirroring each other a little bit <laughs> over the past sort of seven or eight game weeks we've basically been on like one or two points um between our ranks so it's, mm. it's not, been, not been a great season but it's it's a bit different actually because normally the last few years I've always died really well and then I've, I've kind of ended up kind of c- collapsing in like the last sort of game weeks of the season and dropping ranked it, it makes a nice change actually chasing a little bit more so you know, I'm, I'm Enjoying it, got a few green arrows in a row ever since that sort of Salah captain disaster against Man. When he scored so many goals against Manchester United, so yeah, uh, it's, it's going all right in terms of FPL, in terms of sort of objectives. I mentioned about how I'm kind of tr- trying to sort of not be too clever and and try and get momentum when when there's sort of a pick that's the worthy getting behind that sort of momentum. And you know, I'm doing all right with that. I guess this week I kind of thought you know the simple move was just doing Kane to Ronaldo, uh, which I did. And I got Ronaldo's nice nine pointer there. So that's that's me not being too clever. And then with Madison was a bit of a differential pick. I felt like there was a bit of momentum in terms of what he was returning in the game, but he was still a differential as well. And ultimately that, you know, that paid dividends for me this week. Um yeah. know and I I can't really blame myself for benching Callagher because there's so many other players in my team I didn't have space for him ultimately I mean I could have put him a guess against ahead of Ben White maybe but yeah it's it's a tough one ultimately because when I watched him the other week he he was playing really defensively so it's very interesting actually to kind of monitor that whether he's playing an offensive role for Crystal Palace or a defensive role depending on who who lines up for them so yeah I, I felt like i I made the right decision benching him. And then 10 minutes into the game, I started watching it and he was like, so attacking. I was like, oh no, I've made the wrong decision here. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to make that mistake again. Yeah, I
1: think with, with Will Hughes there, he's meant to be the successor to McCarth for a little bit. So he kind of sits back and allows Gallagher to do what he does. What was noticeable actually is when Schlupp came on, Gallagher started being a lot further back and playing in that sort of defensive role again. I noticed, you know, when the ball was played forward and it was kind of interplay amongst the front three, he wasn't arriving like he was before. But then the free kick, basically by the corner flag, that was the only reason he was in the position to get his shot away. And it, what shot it was, by the way, I was, I, I'm probably looking at it through tinted glasses because obviously it was points for me. But nonetheless, yeah, interesting to see, as you say, Nick, it's all about the personnel and who he plays with. But hopefully, his ability to be a match winner isn't going to be overlooked too much by uh, Paddy V uh, over there at Crystal Palace. Moving on to the mini league update very, very quickly. This week, there's new number one. It's Ryan Quinn. No scout, no glory. Yes, Ryan's gone from second up to first. Took a minus eight this week. It brought in Ronaldo. He, brought, well, he brought in a few players, actually, but Ronaldo came in and was his captain. I think it's the first time I've seen a, a player in the top 10, not Captain Salah, for a little while. And it's an 87-pointer for Ryan this week in second a new entrance of the league which is why we're going to lock the league very soon is ross loggerwood thank you for listening and being part of the min league ross youths of hazards the 60 pointer this week a bit of a mare week but still i mean ross is doing very very well this year in third, joint third, actually, there are two big winners from this week. Marty Ra with Podrenko and Caleb some ather Credit to the boys. Ninety-two points for Marty, ninety-one for Caleb. Both have got all the suspects you'd imagine basically as being part of their team, both on eleven twenty-eight points. So just five points behind Ross. In fifth, because of the, obviously the two-thirds, it's Daniel Mind, who's down from first to command state this week. It didn't quite work out for him in the 63. Staying in f- joint fifth as well is James Corralt, 69er this week, a sweet 69 for JQ. And he actually shares fifth spot with another person as well. So there's three people in fifth. Joe L, Black Lives Matter, 59 points, sees him go nowhere. Up from 22nd to 8th, it's Damo Pashby with Moeba Moeda, sorry, FC, 81 points for him. He's come all the way up from 22 to 8th. And in ninth, Mohamed Arafat as well, um, who's been in the round, actually, of the top 10 quite a lot this season. He's up from 26th to 9th, so 84 points for him. And finally, in 10th, Graham Murray, down from 7th to 10th, 66 points this week for him. And Sanji 0101, up the Chels, 72 points, sees him into the top 10, all the way up from 14th. We're going to lock the Mini League probably in a couple of weeks, so game week 19. I'll put something out on socials about this too. Obviously, hoping that people discover us throughout the course of the season and join them in the league, that's great. But the amount of late entrants probably may be a bit miffing to people who have been doing very well throughout the year. So, yeah, that's what it is. But well done to everybody who's been doing very, very well thus far. And finally, for this little update section, before we move on to the main questions this week, it's the market forces. And the, the main sort of progenitor of the market forces is here. So I'll let you take it away, Nick. What have you been noticing this week in terms of the reaction to the game which has just gone? Obviously, we're recording literally on Sunday night, so there probably will be a few things that will change. I'm sure uh, Gallagher uh, well, Gallagher's already in the market forces, actually, isn't he, Nick?
0: yeah he is but um the most transferred in player as we enter the uh, christmas period actually is emmanuel it's emmanuel dennis uh, with 274000 transfers in him he's now the top scoring forward in the game you know let's be honest we, we got him in because he was cheap and he was and he was playing ultimately you know back in sort of game week four is when I brought this guy in but yeah he, he just keeps returning and, and keeps scoring um, much to the chagrin of the analytics crowd but as we know football's played on grass Dennis continues to score <laughs> so uh, good good week for us Dennis owners there certainly But otherwise, uh, Bernardo Silva, another man sort of outperforming his XG, now the second highest scoring midfielder in the game with seven goals, three assists, with name, and seems to be the best sort of Manchester City you know attacking pick right now and certainly nailed on so I I certainly understand why people are looking at him and buying him in and he's he's going to be one of those players as well that starts to become more and more scary to not own just as that ownership increases and increases as we kind of saw this week he's he's starting to impact our scores whenever he returns so that's a a bit of a danger otherwise Ollie Watkins actually interestingly enough he's the third most transferred in player so Watkins I guess he's, he's not had Huge impact on this season. I guess he's got four goals, one assist to his name, being pretty quiet, all things considered. Um, you know, last season he had amazing returns, 14 goals and nine assists. But, um, what's interesting about Watkins, I guess, is is Villa's fixtures really starting to shift now. So they've got Norwich, Burnley, Chelsea, Leeds, Brentford, next five. So obviously Chelsea's hard, but, you know, four of the teams sort of right down the bottom of the league there. So, um, I think, yeah, Watkins looks like a great shout. And, um, also, we've seen a lot of forwards being transferred out this game week. So Vardy's being heavily sold. Jimenez heavily sold. Um, Ivan Toney, still a lot of people selling him. Obviously, he's flagged as well. So Watkins seems to be the, the popular pick right now in terms of the forwards. So um, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later. There's, there's question marks actually about Aston Villa right now and COVID. So just just be warned there. Mount and Ronaldo—they sort of make up the top five in terms of transferred in players. Mount again seems to be the Chelsea attacking pick. That's the best of the bunch. He's now got three goals to assist in the last game, and obviously Ronaldo—the straight swap connect came to Ronaldo, but he scored again tonight. his Ownership's increasing heavily. Another player where if you don't own him, he starts to get a bit scary in terms of um, ownership if you don't own him. And Man United serves some great features as well, but obviously with Ronaldo. It's price, so it's just about how you fit him into your team and how you budget for it if you don't have him.
1: Yeah, definitely. And we're also seeing after tonight's heroics, heroics. Conor Laddaher, he's there, seventy-five thousand transfers in now. I suspect he'll start to break into the top ten pretty soon. He's also performing very well in terms of the overall scores for midfielders. You know, it's it's amazing given the five point five million start price. He's the third highest scoring midfielder at the moment. He's outscoring the likes of Mane, Son. Jota and the aforementioned Mason Mount, and being sold, Nick, as you mentioned, is all of those strikers to basically fit Holly Watkins in. Really, when I mean, we we'll speak about him in a little bit, but yeah, Vardy, Jimenez, Tony, as you mentioned, Cancello, We've got a question on him in just a bit. Being shifted on by the majority of managers this week, two hundred ten thousand, and there's a couple of midfielders, aren't there, Nick, to complete the set.
0: Yep, Smith-Rowe's being sold quite heavily at the moment um, and also a a Jota being sold. So, I mean, both Smith-Rowe and Jota were flagged before this game week. They've both now had their flags removed, actually. Um, Smith-Rowe missed out on the last couple of games. So could be a little bit risky, I guess, to sell him after knowing that he's coming back ultimately. And Arsenal have sort of reasonable fixtures. I guess it's kind of the rush to get on players like Conor Gallagher, who did perform this week. Yep,
1: certainly that must be what's happening. Right, let's move on to the main part of the podcast, which is just correspondent business questions this week. The first thing is the correspondence. So short correspondence this week. We've got a bigger question incoming from this week's correspondent, Bryn Stewart. But we're using his sort of follow up question just to address kind of something which is floating around a little bit in recent weeks. Hang on a minute. Let me just swap into bouncy mode. So basically, the correspondence section is your chance to get your ideally longer form questions, queries, discussion points, addenda, whatever, answered on the podcast. Don't keep it secret. Don't keep it safe. Instead, write in to who got the assist at gmail.com and we'll be so, so happy to receive your correspondence. This week, Bryn Stewart wrote in to us and well, as I mentioned earlier, he asked us a question and then there's a sub kind of question he asks us this too. Bryn asked, what are our plans or do we have any players that will be going to AFCON and is surgery needed prior to that or are hits going to be coming at some point? He says, I know I have at least four players who are AFCON players. So he's very interested to see what we're going to do. So I had a look at basically the African Cup of Nations website because I thought where well, best to get it in the source. The 9th of January is the official start of the tournament. On the 9th of December, the official website posted that there'll be a first day countdown from that point, And it lasts until the sit for February. Game week 25 then, maybe the first day that players come back. And game week 20 is probably the last game week for affected players. In terms of the list itself, when I last looked, few, not many, were part of the FPL template. Salah and Dennis, I think, are the only ones truly denting the ownership numbers. And we've still got four game weeks to go on top of that. I and mean, honestly, I characterize worries about it as being a bit of a red herring for most. Like if you're somehow sat there with the likes sort of, you know, niche picks like Mendy, Corney, you have still got Ben Rama somehow, then you probably aren't in the great position anyway. You know that they're fires to put out. Salah and Dennis are fairly easy to replace in four weeks' time, I think. Like, Dennis is whatever. Probably the big question will be how do I get Salah back? But even then, there'll be, you know, three to four game weeks within that period. And furthermore, there's probably a ready made replacement for him in Son because Spurs have got Southampton, Watford, and Arsenal the first three game weeks of Salah's away. That's a decent three to start with, although uh, Egypt are likely to get quite far into that tournament. And you can probably fairly easily cater to getting back. You know, FPL is a very changeable game we might see people leave money in the bank for him, but I, I think that we'll probably end up kind of making the move somehow within our kind of scope of what the meta is at that time. I'm sure things will change and other players will come to the fore. And I get the same vibe as when we, back in the day, worried inordinately about how we were going to do in blank game weeks. We always ended up loading up on the likes of, you know, West Brom and Everton uh, when you had players who weren't blanking smashing it all around us. We were, you know, thinking, oh yeah, I've got a plan ahead for four game weeks time by these guys. I don't think you'll be looking at many of the players on this list and think, yeah, I, I want to get that player him Dennis maybe I know people are ignoring AFCON and buying him in the market forces Salah is in everyone's squads but apart from that I don't think there's anybody else sticking out so ultimately I think it's something to be mindful of certainly but it's definitely not something I'd be having kissings about by any stretch what do you think about AFCON Nick?
0: Yeah, I broadly agree with um, what you said. there. I think certainly you should be aware that it's going to happen and and avoid targeting any player that's on the list. And obviously, we've seen in the market forces, everyone's buying Dennis um, in, in the masses. So not everyone is fully aware of what's ahead of us. But... You know, I think it comes down to to Salah and and Dennis as the sort of the main picks that everyone has. They're certainly the two picks I have. There has been conversations held about holding these players throughout the tournament, which is a, a risky strategy. I certainly wouldn't want to hold both of them. And with Salah... Again, it's a case of you. You do have a lot of us have um, a lot of money tied up with him. So I bought him at twelve point five start the season. He's now 30.1. So you know it's zero point six gains, but you know he will likely fall a little bit. I guess hopefully during during the period. So it's not going to be that you're completely losing that cash, but you do have to think about how you get him back in, and and you don't want to be making too many changes and spreading that cash too much. Because obviously when he comes back, you're going to want him back in straight away because it's most sallow and he's the best player in the game. So there is that concern there ultimately in terms of getting him back in. But I'm, I'm not, I don't really want such an expensive passenger for such a, a period of time. And then same with Dennis. So there's a little bit of drama going on with Dennis. It's, it's not too clear actually whether he's going to go to the tournament or not. Um, so he was named in the 40-man provisional squad. But there is actually interesting news today about the Nigerian manager, Gernot Rohr. So Dennis was out of favour with him and has been supposed to falling out and that he's actually been put behind the likes of Musso and Nigalo inexplicably in terms of the selection but as Roar has been fired now that might mean that Dennis is now back in favour and does go with the team and does go to the tournament so it's kind of very much a moving picture there in terms of what's going on with Dennis is he going to um, AFCON is he not we don't really know but with the manager getting fired good chance now that he he might be selected so let's see what happens there the other issue with Dennis I got him in ages ago so he was 5.2 when I bought him he's now 5.9 I think he's going to be 5.9 either tonight or tomorrow after the price rise so getting more expensive and I got him actually as a sort of a reverse, you know, a pick for the bench. So there's a good chance I could just leave him as a passenger. If, I, if I'm going to get rid of Salah, maybe maybe Dennis just sits there for a few weeks ultimately, because he was a he was a bench pick ultimately. But, you know, it kind of segues, a guess, onto the next question to a certain extent, because can I afford to keep someone like Dennis on, on my bench when there's all these other issues and other concerns going on in, in the world right now? We need a strong squad ultimately, don't we?
1: Yeah, um, we'll get on to that in just a second. But just to say, that was a question from Bryn Stewart this week. And he wrote in to who got the assist at gmail.com. If you want to get in your questions, queries or whatever to us, do it that way. You can do it other ways as well. You can WhatsApp, you can DM horseback messages, Palantir, whatever way you want to get in contact with us, do do it. We'd love to hear from you. Who got this? is jimbo.com and get your question highlighted on the correspondence. And we've got a really nice question from Bryn Stewart that we we're going to bring in later on in the season. So the main questions this week, thanks so much for your questions. The first question this week is COVID concerns from Benny Blanco. He says, here lads, Is it time to concentrate on beefing up our benches again, as Nick just infers? He says that COVID carnage, along with the usual festive chaos, could play havoc with our teams. I mean, Nick, what are you thinking here? I mean, you might panic, I might panic. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for
0: them to decide, is it? No, I think there's certainly an element of panic and it is concerning. You know, my team's already been heavily impacted. And um, with likes of Tony's been out of the picture, and Kane, who um, had sold this week, and other people who had a lot of Spurs assets, obviously they've been impacted. But and um, our, our Prime Minister, who, who remains our Prime Minister at the time of recording, has indicated tonight that a tidal wave of Omicron is around the corner. So, that you know, that's obviously concerning. And we've always avoided speculating on this topic in the past because we just don't know, we don't have answers. But, you know, as I said, retrospectively, we're already seeing a little bit of impact. I've also got the question mark about Madison missing out this. Um, this midweek as well. Um, if the Spurs Leicester game is cancelled, um, yeah. So we've heard the Spurs are back at training today as well. So does that mean the game's getting on? We don't. We don't actually know at the time of recording. But I think. I think ultimately, when it comes to FPL, we, as you said, a strong bench is important. It's about having a strong bench and also just not making those early transfers, just, just waiting, waiting as long as you can as soon as you get news. I know people look at the price rise and think, oh no, I've got to catch the price rise. Everyone gets really nervous, but we saw it this week, you know, people selling Rafinho early and then then uh, taking minus fours, minus eights to, to deal with those Spurs assets afterwards. So um, I think, my advice for FPL managers during these times is to wait for as long as possible before they're making their transfers and to make sure that they've got a decent playing squad. So, you know, even like I've got some yeah. nice I've been benching points all season anyway, so I can start Gallows' <laughs> points this week and add livermento on the bench as well. And I think, you know, having these characters is is really useful because you've got someone you can call upon if, um, if needed.
1: Yeah, early transfers out of Rafinia. Whoops, imagine who'd do that. Anyway, um, no, I agree with you there, Nick. An, an odd benefit of the strong template is that, unlike the Conservative government, we're all in this together. Uh, we're all going to be impacted by random events to borrow from economics, what we might call external shocks. And that means, yes, solid benches, as Benny Blanco mentions. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say you should have the likes of um, Gallagher, Dennis, or whatever on your bench because that probably isn't quite feasible at the moment, but making sure you've got playing players and perhaps rethinking about having a dead spot. People who've got, you know, the likes of Davis, even the likes of Shimikaz, having 4.4, 4.5 million midfielders and having a cheap playing defender is probably a good idea. In some ways, Nick, I guess it's the same advice we give in the Christmas pile-up anyway. Uh, Benny alluded to that in his question. Just make sure you've got some dependable benches to come in and do a job for you. Like you've got Livermento, I've got Cody. And if you get punched by COVID, you've got to roll with it or at least take comfort in the fact that everybody else is in the same situation to you. And people like yourself, you weren't that exposed to Spurs. People like me, I know Ross, FPL, uh, Raptor, ended up taking minus 12 because he had triple Spurs and also two Brighton. One of those things where it's all very swings and roundabout I Um, I mean, this week as well, I took a hit to remove Reggie and Kane as two. And sometimes there is a bit of an opportunity there to sort things out, especially if a player does look like they're gonna miss a, or a team is gonna look is looking like they're gonna miss a week or two. I guess we can also trot out the old, you know, it's only two points lost if a player doesn't play, sort of thing. I feel like it's just the same advice as usual around the festive period. Trotted out again, except magnified because of COVID. I really do and it's a case of just kind of just seeing it as being part and parcel of the game these days you may need to take a few more hits than you're comfortable with if you're able to kind of get an 11 out maybe that is the kind of the bare bone some weeks maybe you'll like Nick this week, just kind of accept that. Okay, I haven't got a player. I've got a goalkeeper. I might not have the third defender. I might not have the fifth midfielder. Whatever, just roll with it. Because ultimately, other people were taking, like myself, a minus eight this week. If you're able to kind of say, okay, I probably will be all right next week, and I can probably kind of manage the situation. It's a test of that sort of ability to be able to size up the situation and decide between caution and throwing caution to the wind. Ultimately, that's down to you. But I think that the usual kind of caveats surrounding how you manage your bench, making sure that you've got those sort of players who are able to come on and not neglecting it and having a, a dead spot to apply. Moving on to Ron or non, none, but non because it kind of rhymes. Anyway, um, FPL Janinho, Chris asked on our Slack about United. He says that Sancho and Greenwood are quite lacklustre. Bruno is off penalties. So that kind of destroys a lot of his FPL potential, as it were. And, De Gea kept United in the game against the league's bottom club. Does that mean that it's CR7 or nothing in terms of United's upcoming fixture run? Now, as we mentioned last week with FPL Harry, the first thing that Ragnick is going to be doing is probably shoring up that defence. It's easier to fix defence according to all forms of FPL journey- not FPL, all forms of football journalists and fix an attack. And FPL Harry said, spoke eloquently last week about this on the pod. And I can only agree with him about that, that the first task for Ranić isn't really about getting United purring like a well-fed feline. It's about getting them winning. And that's what he's done. Yes, it's 2 one nils against middling to lower reaches clubs but equally he has one and on paper he's at least short up that back line and that mistly De Gea's heroics as Chris mentions were the order of the day last week but nonetheless her defensive focus is going to be for a little while or maybe we will get into that sort of situation remember it must have been about three four years ago Nick where you know Phil Jones David De Gea those were players that seem to kind of move the needle every week and have a man-night defender then you were absolutely toast and I've got Dallow at the moment, 4.5, you're on the cheap punt. But I'm worried about kind of you know, Wan-Bissaka maybe getting some minutes at some point. And also there's some COVID news coming out of the club too, which is next to that we're not going to speculate too much on, but just, just keep an eye on it. But not purring going forwards, I said. And Anthony made a bold decision to bring in Bruno. But I mean, I'm not sure about that, even though I made the x mins case. He looks fairly off the boil with Ronaldo being the, 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 the talisman now, as it were. But it will then take a return or two to get him there. You know, he's holding on for 10th, actually, in expected goal involvement the season via Statsbomb. But I think the reality is, Ron or non, if you're looking at going forwards, as Chris suggests, I think that's probably true. He's up to seventh this season in terms of non pen XGI, according to Statsbomb. Mostly due to that big miss this week, actually. I think he was going to be 11 for 12 before. But I mean, him missing that and scoring a pen sums up what he offers, really, to me. Uh, from a game perspective, he does obviously impact how United play and set up. But from an FPL perspective, I'm not sure what people who didn't buy him in expected from the game against Norwich. The guy will get chances and he's on penalties. He can score in any game, but it's Ronaldo, et cetera, et cetera. Either way, I'm happy to hold. I know he'll probably miss a game or two. I mean, I factored that into my thinking. But linking back to Benny's question, perhaps, I've got a decent bench that can cover him. You know, I can take one point when they happen as well. It's part of the risk-reward kind of thing of having a, an ageing player, I guess, who's still nonetheless a focal point and still a very predatory sort of individual. After all, not captioning him during this run, I'm still going to do Salah for the time being. But I think in the light run of games, he's one for whom the beacons are lit. What do you think, Nick?
0: Yeah, I think it's all about Ronaldo, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, one does not simply not own Ronaldo in FPL. He's, um, he's there, he's, he's 12 million, he's expensive, but he will get you those returns. He's, he's scoring those penalties. He's getting those tappings. He, he, if you don't own him, he's going to frustrate the head out of you ultimately. So I think he's the one out of all the Manchester United players that you've got to try and think about how you get him in or make a plan. I think Bruno has ultimately unfortunately become a bit of a dead option, as, as you kind of alluded to, Tom. Uh, but, You know, United as a team general, their their attacking stats are pretty good. They're only sort of behind the big three of Liverpool, Chelsea, and City in terms of the shots on target over the course of the season. Uh, And I think it's just mainly just Ronaldo, isn't it? Bruno, I looked at the sort of the underlying stats of some of the other midfielders out there, and, you know, Sancho Rashford, nowhere near the metrics. Greenwood's just behind. Bruno in terms of the underlying metrics but so far in, under the Rangnick um, sort of era Sancho has been his preference for a starting berth Um, he's known knows him from the Bundesliga and I kind of thought maybe he might be able to unlock that potential that we've all been waiting for from Sancho since he joined the Premier League but it's not really happened for him even in the last couple of games which he's died he's only had an XGI of 0.28 so not got involved really at all so far and he got hooked early for, for Greenwood in both games and I think it might even be a possibility that Greenwood starts if um, Sancho continues to underperform in the next few. But I think yeah. it's um, question question about Greenwood. Whilst I think he is a great FPL pick at his price, if he was starting, it's it's X mins for, for Greenwood, isn't it? And and if he's not going to start, then you don't want a guy you don't want a guy like that as a passenger in your team. So yeah, Ronaldo bust ultimately is kind of my main point. And then you, yeah, you mentioned the defenders. I do really like Diogo uh, Dallo. He's the one that I would get in. I've been thinking about getting in for a little while. I haven't really had time to make any defensive transfers and he's kind of got this Ben White type character, which is helping this save me when Ramsdale gets his eleven points so he's kind of got Ben White kind of mitigating that to a certain extent. So it's not too bad. And I think uh Dallo seems to have nailed on that sort of starting position ahead of Wambasaka, who's who's frankly been pretty awful the last couple of years, hasn't he? So yeah, I think I think it's all about Ronaldo, um, even though he's very, very expensive. But United's fixtures, you, you kind of got to get the guy in, haven't you?
1: Exactly. That's the way I looked at it. I mean, you're probably right about the rest of the team as well. Let's see what happens with Dallo. wan as you said, offers nothing going forward. Fantastic defensive presence. But I think once he gets the... Once he progresses, he's he's got, got no idea what to do with it. Sancho... Greenwood, I think, was spot on about them. The the, the problem is, is the price for both of them, 8.9 million for Sancho. I mean, remember when people were looking at having him in to cover Bruno on game week one. Wow, that seems a long time ago. And Greenwood as well. He was obviously incredibly popular at the beginning of the season. Did return, uh, scored a goal in the each of the first three game weeks, I think. Down 7.2 now. The problem is that there's loads of individuals who are doing the business around Greenwood's price to cheaper. Would you be paying that much for Sancho? Probably not. Would you be paying for Greenwood? Probably not. It's just for some people, the, the squad structure is quite difficult to fit Ronaldo in. And it's probably just the case of balancing FOMO. I mean, at the end of the day, this week it was away of a brace and 15 points, something like that. You know that is possibly going to happen with Ronaldo. He, he is going to get chances. I think he had the best XG for any player this game week. Is that something that you're going to be able to stomach missing out on? Possibly. You know, if you have two City midfielders, for example, so you're sat there with Bilver and Foden, then maybe you'll be able to cover not having Ronaldo because those two together may be able to score a similar amount of points or massively outscore, perhaps given City's exposed capacity, what Ronaldo can possibly do for you. No player is essential apart from one, maybe two, Salah and Trent. The rest of it is all up to you to basically configure in your team. But I, as I said earlier, I think the beacon is lit for Ronaldo given the fixtures that they have going forward. Let's move on to underperformers. So we had a few questions about a couple of different underperformers. One as a unit, one as an individual, although the individual is a unit, actually. Um, the first kind of bit is about Chelsea. So FPL Dabby, old Dabster, said that, is Arstiff, the clean sheet machine that is Tushel's Chelsea, it's stalling? Is it worth sticking with Chelsea defensive players and hope they'll get back on track or she'll be abandoned ship? Jimmy the Claret followed up and said, can I double this question with more crying emojis? He also asked if, you know, we have a single defender or a double defender. Does that change our kind of answer? FPL Elf wrote into me on DM. He asked, am I sensible in sticking with double choice defence? And also asked about Mikel Antonio. He said, Antonio, are these funds better spent elsewhere for the next few games? And Karam Tizer as well, or Taizia, as I should probably say, he wrote to me on WhatsApp as well. Hi, guys. My question is about Antonio. He has only one return since game week 10. And while there are great fixtures ahead, he seems really off the pace. What would you do with him? I mean, let's take the Chelsea defence first, Nick, and uh, then we'll do Antonio afterwards. Where are you
0: on the Chelsea defence? And what would you advise uh, the guys and managers out there to do? Yeah, I think it's a question mark if you're doubled up right now, with Chelsea defence. If, if you've got just one of them and you've got Rhys James, I think, or even Rudiger, I think you can just leave him. Um, I think they're not too bad. I mean, they've conceded 11 goals over the entire season. Uh, four, uh, Seven of them have been in the last four game weeks. So that's an indication of what's going on with Chelsea. And it has been sort of <laughs> surprisingly impacted by the, the change of Ben Chilwell getting injured and Marcus Alonso coming into the team and I, I got Alonso in for this period and And I think if you doubled up with Alonso and then James or Alonso and Rudiger I think you could probably get rid of Alonso maybe you know that's an option it depends how many other fires you have in your team I think if you've got Rhys James he's blanked four weeks in a row and it, which is a bit of a disaster as far as managers will be concerned but you know <laughs> Let's let's not have too much recency bias here. Before that, this guy was absolutely smashing it in terms of attacking returns and keeping clean sheets. You know, twenty-one points in terms of FPL points against Newcastle, thirteen against um, Nor- Norwich. You know, he scored three goals there, and he's, he's getting attacking returns. He was getting clean sheets. Brilliant, brilliant pick. I wouldn't be looking to sell him just because of a you know a few dodgy games in a row. And and yeah, their next four are pretty decent: Everton, Wolves, Villa, Brighton you know don't don't get rid of this guy you know because he, he's got quite high ownership and I think he's definitely got potential for big returns even though they have had a bit of a, a dodgy 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 patch and really good tonight he picked up a couple of jammy assists so he, he got a decent return as well so I think with the fixtures that are coming up likes of Wolves who are absolutely toothless going forward I, I, I wouldn't be too much of a rush to sell Chelsea players I think um, they are missing Chilwell it has had a bit of an impact they're missing Kante you know they're they're not as great as they were but they're still a solid side and and been one of the best defences over the course of the season and I I wouldn't be surprised to see more clean sheets and and, them to sort of pick up their form a little bit in the next few defensively
1: they are a decent defence. It's not Man City style. You shall not pass. But nonetheless, it is decent enough. Their last clean sheet has was in game week 12 against Leicester. So it's been four weeks of misery. And as I mentioned earlier on, Riggs James, recency bias with a double E missed one game and got two zeros on the field so a triple bagel for him it's definitely slowed down for Chelsea's defense that's for sure there are some caps and hindsights on socials proclaiming victory over James in particular saying a lot of his reputation was built on the few big weeks and the Tom Danes who asked a question last week actually tweeted me this week to point out that in 16 games James has returned one point or less 11 times so it's only kind of Five game weeks that we're all kind of dining off with of Reese. Wow. Now, looking further, of the 90s he's played, three of them, the most recent three, have been blanks. So, five 90s that he's played, he's returned, but just over half of the 90s that he's played, five out of eight, have resulted in points, which is still a decent ratio, nonetheless. Elsewhere, Rudiger's ticking along nicely, very advanced again. I mean, If you get two penalty assists as a central defender, things are going okay. And as you mentioned, Nick Alonso, constantly out of position, but they're still the second best defense in the Premier League, according to Statsbomb, equal to Crystal Palace. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Nick mentioned that they've conceded only 11 goals, but they're expected to concede as 24. So they, uh, they've they been performing very well over the last little while. And maybe, as Anderson, FC may say, variants are swinging back at them. I, I think if you do own double, you maybe be looking to move on. If you do own James, you do own Rudiger, I'd probably be sticking with that. If you own Alonso, I mean, you are Alonso and Nick, and you're saying, yeah, maybe it's time to move him on. He's very hard to watch, but he got the assist this week, you know, the positions he gets into, but watching him as well, you can see how he can be be a defensive liability. So it's very much about whether you kind of watch him with a football head or watch him with an FPL head or try to integrate the two and try to think, okay, he's in a terrible position. He's just given away a goal, but I may be able to get an attack and return from him. I don't know. Next game is Everton. We'll see where they are. I mean, they they were they looked pretty abject tonight. To be fair, and um, did get the goal, and it was a bit of a goalmouth scramble. And Chelsea's next four this calendar year are pretty good, to be honest. So Everton, Wolves, Aston Villa, and Brighton. Although the next two, especially Everton and Wolves, could well be clean sheets. We could say that for any game with Chelsea. They're very much like Liverpool and Man City. They are the hard fixture against whatever team they're playing. There could be clean sheets in those games. We could see these players come roaring back. Yes, it's been a bit crap if you're a Rhys-Jones owner and you've got free bagels. I keep the faith for now. But if over the next two game weeks, i.e. the next five, six days, he continues to not perform, then maybe we'll be looking at him again and thinking, it may be time for you to leave, bro. Moving on to Mr. Antonio. Yes, I've had him since game week one. And at this point, it's not faith anymore. It's simply the fact there's a lack of alternatives and he's got good fixtures to come. Today, for example, even against Burnley, there wasn't really any hope. Only a false hope, really. I should have sold him ages ago, I think. Uh, to whom is the key question? I'm not sure. Know who I'd have sold him to, but I probably should have. He's still fourth for non pen XGI of this season, but it's very much from the first four weeks. So you're seeing a character dining out on a ridiculous, blistering start and from there just faltering massively. I did a little comparison of the first four game weeks from the next 12 and looks at his per game data. It's pretty crap reading, to be honest. His XGI per game has gone down from 0.9 per game to 0.4. 0.4 is still pretty. It's still okay, but if you look at other stuff, the, the analog stats, which I very rarely go into these days, but the pen box touches, the shot volume, they're all markedly down. His blade has been broken, but can it be remade? Well, I don't know. Uh, maybe he's struggling with extra tension on him, maybe from uh, opposition defences. I feel like as well, he's being used as a bit of a foil, you know, like making space for everybody else at the moment. And it's quite difficult to watch as an owner. He feels a little bit impotent. But Arsenal, Norwich, Southampton and Watford are still all right for the next four. All good until game 23, actually. And again, the question I ask is, who do I sell him to? I've got Ronaldo and Dennis already. I'm not interested in King. I mean, Watkins, perhaps you mentioned earlier in the market forces. Norwich, Burnley, and Chelsea—the next three. I mean, my read of those would be they're not as good as FDR would have me believe. Like Norwich have turned the corner defensively; they were okay defensively against United. A couple of times for Ronaldo here and there. Burnley perhaps have gone back to the obstinate grindy selves. Uh, just seeing a little bit of the West Ham highlights and. To be honest, perhaps I'd highlight Chelsea as being the best game for Watkins out of the next three. So I'm not convinced on him, not really convinced on Antonio either, but I've got nothing better to do. So I'm, I think I'm holding him for a bit longer, Nick. I mean, what are your views on Antonio?
0: Yeah, I don't actually have him in my team, but. Every week, I've been looking at live FPL and seeing his ownership. and thinking, please be quiet, please be quiet, because I just know that any sort of Antonio return would just send my rank plummeting. I think pretty much yeah. every week, he's been around that sort of 40 to 50 percent. At one point, it was up to sort of 70 percent before he went on this massive run Man of Blanks, and he was the guy. If you remember, Tom, at the beginning of the season, just completely punished me for not owning. So I don't know what I have not owned him isn't, but it's just he's just never really fitted into my team structure. But you are right in terms of sort of the forward options. There's just no one really out there, as you said. Watkins is the the market force's darling. You could be talking about the double up with Watford, King and Dennis. So I've still got um I've still got Tony actually as a flag in my team, and I was thinking about King as a replacement. Um, you know, you could say, okay, I downgrade Antonio to King, downgrade into Puki. No, it's, it's just, it's not great, is it? You know, as I said, the top sort of forwards in the game right now are like Puki and St maximum Gabriel Jesus. I don't even know how he's got his points, considering I've barely seen him do anything all season. So I think Antonio is still dining out on this August success, which is why everyone has hmm. him in the team still. But he's, he's been not involved at all. But I think with the fixtures, if you haven't got other fires to put out, you might have to just stick with this guy, I think. you yep. know, Unless you're looking to try and move him up to Ronaldo and setting players in midfield, which is fair enough. But yeah, Norwich and Southampton, Watford, Crystal Palace, Leeds. Those are all really, really nice fixtures. Even Arsenal, I would say, is quite a decent fixture for West Ham. Because Arsenal will probably try and attack the game and give Antonio space. So chance of return there but yeah as Karam said in his question you know one return since game week 10 that's just dreadful you know that's just really really bad and his, his stats aren't great either um, so for me I'm not going to get him in I'm just going to probably target uh, Bowen in terms of covering West Ham I think he's probably the pick to go for and if you do have Bowen and Antonio then maybe you could downgrade Antonio and use that money to upgrade your midfield potentially but just, just depends on your team structure I think you know, if there's other
1: fires to put out, then put out those fires. Yeah, I was looking at moving Antonio on to eventually upgrade Conor Gallagher before this game week at some point. But obviously, I'm not doing that now. So, as you said, Nick, it's just a case of I'm going to keep him because there's no other immediate option to replace him with. so, I'm not particularly interested in Wally Watkins at the moment. So, I have to kind of just hold him. The fits are okay. I'm not expecting very much every week, but I've got nowhere to go with him at the moment because I've only got one free transfer. Maybe I've got two. I'll think about it a little bit more. Final question this week is, cancel Jiao? So Jao Cancelo is obviously suspended next game. He got his fifth yellow card of the season. Dan at FPL Cup of Tea asks us what we're doing with Cancelo. Is it a stick or is it a twist? If Watkins is the market force's darling, he's the market force's dark lord, the highest sold player
0: according to the market Forces this week. Nick, what are you doing at the moment with Cancelo? I will be benching him, as I said, you know, there's there's other fires to put out. I'm, I'm fine with missing out one week from him. It's just his, his stats have been brilliant. He's even this game week he created another four chances, which was more than any other player, and he had 126 passes this week, further cementing his position. Not that we particularly care about this analog metric, as you put it, but um, he's certainly not the type of player you can say you shall not pass to. As he's had more passes than any other player this season and more more touches in the opposite half as well this week, which he's meant to be a defender and in he's incredible metrics. Um, he's the third highest scoring player in the game and Man City have been getting lots of clean sheets all, all over the course of the season. And after this game week, he's got Newcastle. That's, that's an anchor, if ever you saw it, for a clean sheet. Um, Leicester, Brentford, um, I definitely just going to keep him I think it's just I've got value tied up as well so with Cancelo he's, he's never really let me down over the course of the entire season I'm I know we've been talking about strong benches and stuff but I think just just keep him for now
1: I'm in an okay position I've got Cody and I've got Douglas Luiz who are on my bench And I got Cancello just sat at third bench, nestled at third bench, same as you. I'm very happy with him. Same reasons you expressed. He's the second highest for expected goal involvement. Someone defends in the Premier League behind Trent, of course. I've got lots of cash in him, so I'm not moving him on. And as you say, he should be back in too in that, First, city, in that city first team, very quickly. There's a nice rest for him too, ahead of a potentially hectic schedule. And City's defense have the lowest non pen expected goals against them. So, yeah, I think I'm keeping him. I, I can kind of see why people are moving him on to some extent, but not really, just because I feel like people who are selling him must be late adopters, to be honest. Looking at the market forces, people are, I guess, buying in Rudiger of the fact the lad got two assists two pen assists and then looking down it you've still got Trent people are buying Trent I mean I, I don't really understand what's manages. going on <laughs> yeah it does seem a bit strange and then obviously over the course of last week you had people still buying in Spurs players despite the fact that was like to be called off so I just don't get it really if you are twisting I'm not really too sure where you go really that's my kind of Problem too. Maybe there are some people in the situation where you're looking at kind of thinking, I, I need a third defender. But what kind of team setup have you got if you're struggling to field three defenders? You must be having, like, you know, has and Brandon Williams sat on your bench. So, yeah, I mean. Maybe it's uh, one of those things where you've got to think about how you kind of managed and apportioned all of your uh, resources in your team. Not a criticism, maybe it's just the way that you'd prefer to set up. It's one of those where I kind of wonder about maybe rethinking how you set up your defence because a a decent defence, as we know, through the farther, bigger the back, Nick, is a way that you could possibly go. Right. Speaking of ways you could possibly go, let's move on to the transfers and captains this week. So I have a fairly decent team. Ramsay in goal. Uh, I've got the Jad this week, so I've got James, Alexander Arnold, and Dallo at the back, uh, hoping that that Brentford Man United fixture goes ahead. In midfield, I've got Gallagher, Bowen, Salah, and Jota, and out front, I've got the F- Dennis, Antonio, and Ronaldo. The Rad front three, three four three is a bit retro <laughs> uh, in defense. Uh, so on the bench, I've got Cody, uh, with uh, away at Brighton, so that's pretty good. at first bench, uh, I've got Douglas Louise, 4.5, sat there with Norwich away. I'm benching Cancelo, but I'm intending to roll 100%. But any more madness and if I've got an inability to field an 11 that can mean that FT's are back on the menu boys but I, I, I don't think that that's going to happen this week I, I, I really hope that I'll be able to roll it I don't know what I'm going to do if I roll it but <laughs> I'm, I just want to see what happens going forward there'll be inevitable fires I mean maybe you know I could be convinced perhaps that Watkins is the best thing since sliced bread and I need to by him rather than and so Antonio but as I said earlier on I'm a little bit skeptical of Watkins at the moment given the fixtures so it's all something that I'm I'm willing to just kind of let roll over and plus I've taken minus 12s worth of hits in the last two game weeks so it might be worth weaning myself off those hits as Chris at FPL who Jean, mentioned earlier keeps telling me to do and Anthony this week he has basically said that he's doing the same so he's rolling FT for the lack of fires to fight and fires sure to come. He's still got Benteke. He's still got Jesus. Uh, and he's uh, still got Guaiza. So I'd suggest there's quite a few fires there. He's also got Alan and Cancelo on his bench. So he's only got Ben White on his bench. And he's got Bruno Fernandes for reasons unknown. Nonetheless, team looks okay, provided everybody starts. I and mean, you imagine Benteke will start. Not sure about Jesus, It's perfectly serviceable. Great iron goal. The chelice double up of uh, James and Rudiger and Trent. Midfield, Smith-Rowe, Salah, Bowen and Fernandes. And up front, Jesus, Benteke and King, which is probably a very unorthodox front line. But hey, if it all bangs, then he's going to be in clover. And finally, Nick, what are you going to do this week?
0: Yeah, so currently I've got the, the, the sort of 3-5-2 set up. Um, Sanchez in goal, Livermento, Alonso, Trent's, um making defence in midfield. Currently it's Salah, Rafinha, Yota, Madison, and Gallagher. Um, Dennis and Ronaldo up front. Um, ben White would be the man who would come off the bench. Uh, if I had any injuries, obviously Salah is the captain. I think if I'm going to make a move, and I have been thinking about midfield moves, it's, it's more about covering West Ham right now. So Antonio... You know, I've been thinking about how to fund Tony to Antonio for a while, but it's just not worth it, is it, his current form? It's actually the the midfield man I'm most interested in. Uh, But if if the Spurs-Leicester game is cancelled, perhaps it won't be. Then it would unfortunately be my hero, Madsen, going. Otherwise, I'm I'm very tempted to sell Rafinha. Um, Another player's been doing pretty well, picking up those penalty points, but um, tough fixtures. And I could get rid of Rafinha and to support the axe of Conor Gallagher, I'd get the, the bow of Jared Bowen into my team and and get that West Ham coverage that way uh, to cover those fixtures. And I think he fits the bill perfectly. I mean, the other option would be, as I said, return of the King by getting rid of Tony and, and getting Josh King in with the double uh, Watford forward line. But Tom's shaking his head at that idea. He doesn't like that one. I think he prefers the idea of me getting Bowen in. So that's probably where I'm leaning right now. As I said, it depends what news we hear in the next, well, next day, ultimately. So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at.
1: Yeah, I should have mentioned earlier on that me and Anthony also captioning Salah we forgot about it it's not, it's not evening consideration at the moment Bob's in a Newcastle game it's very hard to look past that I think Nick that is everything isn't it
0: yep that's a wrap so uh, yeah thanks for listening as a reminder we are Who Got The Assist we're also on YouTube if you fancy watching us and seeing our faces on there and there's a little uh, presentation that's nicely put together and if you want to join the league the code is 2IP for free tea. And also, don't forget to send correspondence in, please. And, And we'll read it out on the pod. Or Tom and Anthony will on the next pod.
1: Yeah, but who got the assist at gmail.com. So we know pod on Thursday. As I think I'm scheduled to be out, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's just one of those things. Quick turnaround, Christmas, loads of things going on. We'll be back for a full pod after game week 18. So I think that's Monday the 20th, something like that. We'll be joined by FPL General for our annual festive edition. In the meantime, we hope assisted you ahead of game week 17 and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Now fly you fools.